Welcome to The Truth In This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, my guest is a figurative oil painter from San Francisco originally. He began drawing at a young age and eventually transitioned into painting. There was a few stops, music, and things like that along the way. He fell in love with oils in his early 20s, and he exhibited work um, in solo and group shows across the United States, including cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Portland, Philadelphia, Tucson, Miami, and New York. Please welcome Aaron Nagel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for making the time. We're 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 here. Um, I'm I'm kind of feel like I'm feel like I'm half naked. That might be a pun. It might be a joke. I'm not wearing a hat, so I feel a little weird right now. You're wearing a yeah. hat. I'm I'm a little upset. A little upset, Aaron. Huh? I'm a hat guy. I'm a hat guy as well. I got in. It's raining here in Baltimore, so uh, yeah, that hat was wet. <laughs> <laughs> so. And to, to start things off, um, if you will, could you give us like a, a brief overview for those who may be undipped, unfamiliar with you and your work? And um, so brief overview and ultimately, what was like your 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 entry point? How did you first get started in the world of art, macroly speaking? Yeah, I so I'm an oil painter, like a fairly traditional, you know, figurative portraiture kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not I didn't go to art school, but my i'm trying to paint realistic things so it's not very um i'm a reference guy so it's not very impressionist but you know i'm i i didn't i'm not classically trained but i'm trying to paint like i'm classically trained so that's like a pretty good <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good overview um and i got into it i was a musician for a long time and didn't was always a drawer when i was a little kid didn't ever really have plans to do art for a living, really. It was always just a hobby. Um, and I got into like a lot of graffiti and Geiger and people like when I was, you know, in my teens. Yeah. Um, and when the music stuff kind of wound down, I started painting more. Um, mm. And then I just kind of fell into it. So I didn't even really start painting until maybe I was 22 or so. And yeah. then it was kind of a, 10 years of kind of figuring out what my paintings were going to look like, yeah. you know, like the real terrible, lots of mixed media, weird stuff. <laughs> um, but my favorite kind of art is giant, like in museums, giant religious oil paintings. And that's the stuff that I like the most. Nice. Uh, and so that kind of led me to oils and painting big and painting figures and stuff that looks kind of, like iconography but isn't it, it makes a lot of sense and i, and I want to say uh, a couple of things in there i was looking over that in the bio and i was like musician then i wasn't seeing it come up anywhere else but i saw it one time initially and i was like all right i don't want to have a bunch of musician questions in here if like he's not doing music anymore <laughs> so yeah. that, that was one thing so i'm glad you you definitely touched on that and it kind of clears up one of those sort of uh one of those like points of reference i needed and in it in addition um and i know folks have heard this over and over again but yeah you know i was doing something else creative initially i wanted yeah. to be a comic book artist and okay. so drawing doing all of that stuff getting in trouble drawing who, who does that right and yeah. in in around like 24 i was like i need to do something i, I was in a job marketing job and it's just 
wasn't as creative. I was doing the unsexy stuff. I was doing like the numbers and ROI and everything. And I want to say at like 24, that's when I started podcasting. I just kind of dove in and really self-taught in this sort of creative pursuit, learning like the the engineering, learning how to spin a yarn as it were, and doing all of that different stuff. And, you know, there's some people you watch and you may try to imitate, but yeah, I think, you know, looking back, that was probably the point when I was like, okay, let's give it the college try and being self-taught. Yeah. 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 For me, the, the transition from music to art was pretty like seamless and they're, they're really the same. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of the same beast for me. Like they take the same effort. They're both, um, they're both, both a craft and like, you never feel like you have a grasp of it. And there's all, always so much skill left on the table that you need to acquire yeah. and they don't pay well, <laughs> you know, it's like, so the, I don't really do music anymore, but I kind of don't notice that I don't do music anymore because art just kind of took, took over. What uh, instrument uh, were you a singer? So I grew up playing piano. My dad's a jazz pianist. And then I played trumpet for 15 years or so. Um, And then I played guitar for a while after that. I played nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's that's great. Thank you. Um, So I I like to really like delve into some of that sort of like early stuff and Mm -hmm thinking into like sort of like life experiences, right? So I think we have a creative sensibility. We have taste. We have things that we like, we don't like. And when you said Geiger, I immediately my mind lit up and I was like, I need to rewatch Aliens. Um, So could you share like a life experience that shaped how you approach creativity? Because, you know, you said it was a seamless sort of transition. How did you, you know, having a a life experience that helped shape your creative sensibility? Um. That's a great question. I don't know if it's more life experience or if it's more like personality, but I'm a, I'm a like reference, I'm a copier, you know, for like when I was young, when I was in my teens, I would just draw other people's graffiti and try and make it my own, draw Geiger stuff and try and make it my own. And I didn't really have, like, I don't sometimes feel like the most creative person in the world. Like I'm not free minding stuff when I paint generally. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of work up front to have something to paint. Mm. So the the I do a lot of creative work on the reference, but that's a that's kind of collaborative and that I'm shooting a model and then I'm kind of throwing it in Photoshop and then I'm messing with it. Yeah. Um and by the time I get into actually painting it, it's much more of a I'm just trying to paint what I built in yeah. the reference. So, and I, and I feel like that was my kind of personality, even with music too, is that I tend to get distracted by the, the craft a little bit, like the skill, yeah. sometimes to the detriment of the final work. Like with music, I would want to just play the, the craziest, most complicated thing because it was the craziest, most complicated thing. And not necessarily because it was the best thing to listen to <laughs> or the best song, you know what I mean? So I, I felt like that's where my weak point as a musician was. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like that's where my weak point as an artist is too, where I can get distracted by just trying to be a better painter. Yeah. And which is great, but also, you know, you, you have to, the why of the work mm-hmm. also is important. You know, instead of just the how of the work. 
I, I, I talk about the hows and the whys all the time. So yeah. I'm 100% on the same page. And please believe I am one of those guys that I'm thinking in the back of my head. It's like, look, I want to stretch the boundaries. How far I can really go? I'll say, I might do a 24-hour podcast marathon, like nonstop and just see. No yeah, one's going to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one's absolutely yeah. going to listen to it. But it's 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 like that sort of challenge for me. And I'm trying to figure out like sort of these smaller challenges that make me feel like I'm progressing. I don't know if you share this, but I, I, I'll say in doing the, the podcasting for, for sake of argument for like 10 years at a, at a point, I, that's when this started. Well, I was at the 10 year point of being a podcaster and going on that sort of journey and taking everything that comes along with it. And, you know, I was at this point is crossroads sounds goofy, but I guess that's the word I'll use. I was at this point where I was like, do I want to continue or do I want to do something else? What is the thing that I'm going to do? And this just kind of came to me and in, in, in seeing what was going on and how people were talking about um, Baltimore, um, you know, Trump and all of that stuff, talking about how Baltimore's just rats and so on. And I was like, all right, I think multiple cities have this, multiple communities have this. I think this is something that's worthwhile letting us speak for ourselves. And I think speaking with the artists, that's a nice cross-section of different people, speaking with people who are working in like cultural preservation, good cross-section of people. And that got me excited. And I'm always trying to tweak what I'm doing versus going for these large, almost grandiose, I'm not going to make it happen <laughs> sort of yeah. things. Yeah. And I think the smaller things keeps that sort of degree of difficulty there and keeps it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I ha I mean, I get it. I, I am kind of on a forever quest to, to make things a little bit easier on myself. My, my brain wants, if it, if it's hard and I'm suffering, it's worthwhile and it's good. Those are the, those equal out in my brain. So that, that, and that goes for everything. Like if the food tastes gross, it's probably good for you. Eat more of it. If the gym is hard, it's probably good for you. Do, do more of it, lift a heavier thing, you yeah. know? So, and that to a certain extent is true, but also, you know, it's like a little bit masochistic in, in the long run. And, and even in my process, of painting is, is very much that it's very hard yeah. for me. Like most, most parts of the process is hard, um, physically mm -hmm. and mentally and everything. Let, let, let's, let's talk about that. But I want to, I want to have this, this, this degree of sort of framing with it because I think process is definitely important. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like to add sort of small things in there just to make it more challenging. So like sometimes yeah. I'll get on autopilot, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to ask this person. I'm not even going to really write, write questions. And that's a bad habit. Or I'll make it that I forget something. I'll like, I'll do a studio visit and I'm like, damn, I only have one mic. How am I going to make this work? So it starts to like cause those, uh, those other, I, those other ways of thinking to fire. And, yeah. you know, I try to incorporate every now and again, let's say every five or 10 episodes, something goofy in there just to make sure I'm not on all a pilot and I'm not just, it's not mailing it in, but it, you know, not taking it for granted, I suppose, and really focusing in on what I'm doing. So in terms of your process, like, you know, talk about your process a bit, kind of break break that down a bit more because you touched on it earlier, but also like in terms of like certain pieces of difficulty that you add into it to kind of keep it like bringing you back for that sort of creative masochism, if you will. Yeah, I don't, the that part is, you know, for me, it's like 
sometimes it feels like I'm adding stuff to make it harder, but also I don't know how to do it the other way, you know? And I, so I'm not sure how much that is me or if that's just the, the beast that is painting sure. for a living <laughs> or, uh, but my process, so I'll generally I'll start with models. I'll, I'll book models and have some kind of photo shoot with model. And generally I have a look in mind that I like, but that's about it. Like mm -hmm. I don't really plan all that much because I'm not, I'm not a photographer and I don't usually have the resources to have like some big production for the photo shoot. And then I'll take the reference photos and kind of build an idea off those reference photos yeah. and then make some kind of composite digitally of the reference photo and whatever other idea I have. So like a background or color variations or chopping up pictures to make other pictures. Um, and then I will use that reference to paint from. So I will build as close, you know, if I can get 95% of what the final product is going to look like in Photoshop, yeah. then I will just paint that exact thing. And there'll be some things I'll figure out on the painting as I go, you know, yeah. kind of adjust the idea depending on some, you know, there's always a divide between what looks good digitally and what looks good as a painting always, or what looks good as a photo and what looks good as a, as a painting. Um, so, and that's it really. And then I'll, and then I'll paint the photo and the, the process of actually painting the photo has really changed over the, over the years. And like my process trying to find the best output, both yeah. from like a technical side of things and from like a compositional, uh, full piece. Yeah. Selective. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I, I think as let's say. I think because some of the projects and, and don't mind me, I'm putting my light on uh, when um, I think what folks are like doing certain projects and doing certain creative pursuits that have a sort of analog and a digital component with it, it, yeah. it, it, some of it changes. Like when you have like, all right, using this new tool to kind of make this happen, this is now part of it. So I got to learn this and that yeah. sort of makes it hard, I think. Yeah, it. I mean, it. it's a tool for sure. And the, the challenge is always that there is a difference between paint and photos, you know, something that looks, something that looks normal in a photo might not look right in a painting, even if you paint it exactly the same way, just because your brain knows that this is a photo and doesn't second guess, you know, this hand position looks kind of weird, but you'd never think it looks weird because it's a photo. But when you paint that exact same hand position, mm. everybody goes, well, that's why'd you do that? Like, that was a weird decision. So, you know, it's like, there's, there's a big difference there just visually and, and like decisions wise, right. Right. what you include in the painting versus what might be in a photo or, or digitally. Um, and that's always a challenge for me, but the, the, the better I get at the digital side, like as, as far as just how the composition is yeah. setting things up and thinking about how everything is going to translate into paint um, and kind of leaning on the things that I really like to paint maybe, or the things I think work, work well in mm -hmm. paint, like fat, certain fabrics and certain light sources. I was also going to ask about the, the light component. Uh, Cause it, as I'm, as I'm thinking about it, there is almost this, it's, Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm going to make the comparison because this is the creative thing I do, but 
it, it it's almost similar to when you're doing an interview and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't need all of it. I need these pieces. And then in the sort of post productions I was saying beforehand, it's like, I know what I need to get this sort of output at the end. So right. I would imagine a sort of process is like, all right, I need this model wearing sort of this color because that's going to work really well when I eventually paint this. Can you hold your hands this way? This doesn't make sense. Well, I need it to paint it for to, to paint it later. So that's what I'm going to need. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of a lot of that comes after the photo shoot, which is inconvenient. But the more, you know, the more that I know and the more I can plan for it, the better. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of always refining the that reference process making sure that what for me the the most challenging part about painting and, and the way i paint is figuring out what to paint hmm. like the before i've started part is i really it's really not fun <laughs> it's really not my favorite part even the first couple of weeks of a painting i don't really love to tell you the truth um but that's that's the hard part for me and the and also the most important part you know mm -hmm. spending a couple months on a painting only to kind of find that this this wasn't that good of a painting that that concept wasn't that good is really a bummer so that that's a that's a really good like sort of segue into this question i have around like themes so mm -hmm. i've read that you know I'm, I'm reading guilt power um views on religion things of the sort yeah. so talk about some of the themes and how you incorporate those themes into your painting and ultimately what do you hope to convey or what do you aspire to convey within your within your work um yeah i mean the the stuff i liked the you know like i was saying the the old school religious paintings are the things that speak to me the most yes as far as the tone like they're big they're big and powerful but they're really dark like they for me in like religion they're using like you know it's supposed to be uh grace and all this nice stuff but it's suffering and like vengeance and all this like really dark torture, <laughs> you know, like super crazy stuff. And I always found that contrast to be to be amusing <laughs> and like interesting. Yeah. We're like we're trying to convince you to do this thing that is good by showing you all this terrible stuff that happens if you don't do it. It's mm -hmm. fear, and, um, and I'm in no way religious, and I, but I, and so I just find that really interesting. But I can relate. I like aesthetically, I like it so much. So kind of what I've always been trying to do is create my own version of that. And for me, like the, the, the God figure mm -hmm. is different. You know, it's not a, it's not a white guy in the clouds for me, like the, the, the thing that kind of has power in a, in a mystical way is women, you know, yeah. like it is just fe powerful females to me. That seems um, that seems the most logical. It's like they they have they have the power, which is ironic being like a white guy saying that. <laughs> I, I understand. But like that's how that's how I always felt. Yeah. Well, it's a it's like a power that I don't really understand. Um and so that's that kind of takes the place of that deity in those old in that kind of old timey iconography sense. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And 
you know, when you were describing some of the 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 sort of like the torch, some of these dark things that you'll see, yeah. I immediately started thinking of Red Dragon. I don't know why I started thinking <laughs> yeah. of Red Dragon. It just yeah. kind of like, huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like that stuff, and I like the you know all the imagery that comes along with you know the saints and arrows and and all that stuff. Like I really and halos and that kind of stuff always really spoke to me. I just don't. You know, I don't relate to the religious side of things and, and the kind of, the more I, when I first started painting, I was really just concerned about aesthetics and like, I like that stuff and I just want to make stuff that's that pretty. And that's kind of, that was kind of it. And people would ask me what the paintings mean. And I kind of either fake it (laughs) or just say like, you know, whatever, whatever you think it means. I just trying to paint pretty stuff. Yeah. Um, Lately, I've been trying to get a little more narrative and have a little more, a little more stuff behind it, just because that's interesting to me. So I've been painting a little bit more about religion, maybe, um, and in kind of the perils and how I think it's maybe not so good. Um, and lately, I've been doing some paintings about like, you know, kind of the pro-life, pro-choice like thing that has been happening recently, which I feel strongly about. So, you know, I don't know how subtle it is. I don't know how much it's going to come through to people that that's what it means. Um, I don't love like hitting people over the head with like a certain viewpoint, but there's definitely more in it these days than there has been for me. Yeah. I mean, as I was saying a a little bit before we we got started of just trying to be more intentional in the content and um, well, in in the work as content feels weird. It feels like I'm just churning out stuff, but um. You know, like, I think anybody that kind of follows it, they should have a sense of without, you know, it definitely related when you said not hitting someone over the head with it. It's like, this is what I value. This is what I believe, Um, whether it be in the types of guests I bring on, whether it be in the types of conversations I'm having, whether it be in the order of how I put it out from that sort of curatorial side of things. It is, it's in there, but it's not me saying, hey, every month we're going to talk to this many people and on Pride Month, we're going to put up a rainbow flag. I, I don't yeah, need yeah. to do that. And yeah. I think it's sort of baked in that, you know, there are some blind spots that you have. And you might reach out and like, all right, maybe I should look at this in a different way. Maybe I should be inclusive in this way because maybe I'm just missing it because I only know what I know. But on the other side of things, like it, I try to have as a diverse perspective and a diverse guest list that because that's the purpose of it that's the that's the why going back to that you know yeah it's it's you know i think it's as i get older it's becoming more important to me that people know the why a little bit like how i feel about certain things just you know the i'm aware of being a straight white dude that's painting attractive women that are sometimes naked, you know, in the, in the current times. And like, while I don't have a problem with that, I don't want it to, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, trying to take the little bit of the kind of shallow, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, superficial stuff out of it. And like there, there is a, you know, I am trying to paint pretty stuff. Yeah. And that, and paint, painting pretty stuff for me starts with painting pretty people generally. And, and that is going to be subjective on what I think is pretty. Right. But the, and that's pretty across the board. That's a pretty fabric, pretty, yeah. 
pretty nature. So, but it's important to me that people know that like, I'm just, I'm not trying to just, here's, here's a bay, here's, here's right. a spade I like, and I've got to paint her and that's cool. You know, there's, there's more to it a little bit. <laughs> no, I dig it. And, and, and I think that sort of, um, the thing that you mentioned earlier, like that's what I, that's who and what I see in terms of imagery and in terms of the, uh, the figure that you see power in. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's there, I think. Um, so let's see. I, so I got a couple more real questions and I have some rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. Um, cause those always come up. Uh, so in, in thinking over, let's say some uh, work that you've done, let's say in the last year or so, right. You know, most yeah. recent body of work, is there a specific piece or, or a series in your portfolio during that sort of time that holds a special significance for you? Whether it was like, this was very challenging or this was super easy, but something that kind of sticks out about a particular piece or, or series. Um, well, I've done most of the stuff that I've been working on the last six months. Nobody's seen yet. So it's for a show. Uh, I have two, two shows this year. So, the yeah like there there is some stuff in those and those i tried some things and i was happy with how they went and yeah. it was challenging um i really like i've really always been a fan of japanese like traditional japanese art like woodblock printing yes um and even you know like when i was 14 or 15 the first time i ever went to a museum on purpose to see a show was the Masami Teraoka show. Um, and I have been friends with him ever since. Like I, I reached out to him and we've been like email buddies and nice. he's sent work and he has one of my paintings and it's been great. And that's always been a, an art um, That's always been an art form that I really liked, but I felt like I didn't have any, I felt like I couldn't really try it being not a Japanese guy. And, but I kind of got over that a little bit. Like I've been, I've been, you know, I don't really care that I maybe shouldn't be doing it. Like I'm not trying to culturally appropriate anybody's culture, but mm -hmm. I do, I do like a, I do like a thing, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend like I'm part of the culture. Yeah, if like if you got on this interview and you were wearing a kimono, I'm like, oh, hold, hold up, dude. Where are you going? <laughs> right. But yeah, but yeah. I but I think that that's that's interesting. Like it was someone I, I interviewed recently, and he, he was talking about how like you know three of his influences were two of them were like Japanese dudes who were in their seventies, right. and he's a guy that looks like me, and right. you know it's it's just weird how like you're who one could be inspired by is like, they can only be people that look like you, which feels really weird to me. You know, what I, what I kind of came this year when I was thinking about it was that, you know, I've been, I really stayed away from emulating any of that Japanese art, yeah. but I'm emulating all kinds of European art that yeah. I have less relationship with, you know, I don't know how to speak Italian or French or, you know what I mean? Like, the fact, the fact that this was Japanese and not European was different for me for some reason. You know, yeah. I'm emulating Caravaggio. Why wouldn't I emulate Masami Teruoka? It's the same. I have the same relationship to both of them. Like, I'm not either one of those things. So, like, that really, that really kind of sunk in where, 
Like, why do, why do, why am I feeling differently about this? Like, this is art I love and I want to honor that tradition. And like, whether I do a bad job at honoring that tradition is, is one thing or another, but it's the same as whether I'm doing a bad job honoring the traditional oil paintings of like, of Europe, you know, like none of this stuff was happening in America 400 years ago. So and I, and I think and, and it's 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 funny because it reminds me of like it's these these sort of conversations around um let's say I have a have a buddy who's a a old painter and I can I can almost automatically tell like if someone were writing his thing or writing sort of his bio describing his work, this afro ba ba ba. And it's just like he's he's an old painter though. No, the African is like, but he's an old painter. And it's like, let it be as broad as possible because that opens it up to yeah. maybe it's a white guy. Maybe it's a white girl. It's like, I want to do this. Maybe it's a Japanese person. It's like, I'm inspired by that artist. And it doesn't turn into this sort of weird, icky, almost fetishistic thing. It's just like, I dig this sort of work and I dig a lot of other work too. And that's where one style comes in. It's, it's a creative version of mixed martial arts <laughs> in, in, yeah, my, oh, in my mind. That's a, that's a cool way to put it. I, and I also don't have, I don't really feel like I have much of an identity myself. Like I don't, I don't really relate to Americana things, you know, like um, I have, you know, obviously my like heritage is, has some European and some English and stuff in there, but you know, there's not a lot, that I kind of relate to as a white dude from the fucking West coast. Like, so, so I kind of, you know, and I'm not trying to be anything else either, but I like, I'm interested in, a, I think it's more, I think it's more interesting. You know, so there's a lot of painters that are, you know, cowboy painters mm -hmm. in the West, which might be more appropriate for me being a guy from the West coast. But like, I don't, that's not interesting to me. Where, where are your dungarees at and your, your cattle? What are you, what are you talking about? What, what are we yeah. doing here? But I grew up in the city. I have just, just as much relationship with horses as I do with, you know, kimonos. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of the same thing where I'm from East Baltimore and it's like, well, you should only be talking about this or talking to these types of guests and talking about it in this sort of way. And it's just like, no, I, I, that's not really what I'm interested in, what I'm doing in you know, if I look back and think of like what sort of interviewers do I like, and I, and I think the the key thing that has been a, a tool and an asset for me is having sort of this worldview versus yeah. I only get caught in this sort of subset, and when that's not popping anymore or interesting anymore, then I'm gone, and it's not like it's, it's done naturally that. Yeah. I want to be able to talk to anyone to hold a conversation with anyone if I'm interested in their work and you know, and it makes sense versus just, I can only talk to these five people moving on. Yeah. That's, that's not really interesting to me. Yeah. It's a weird thing where, you know, I listen to a lot of different, you know, musical genres or I eat a lot yeah. of different food. Like I, if I were a, if I were still playing music, I would want to play pieces of all, I would want, I would be influenced by all that stuff I'm listening to. And if I was a chef, I would be influenced by all the stuff I'm eating. So why in art do I do I try not to let myself be influenced by the art that I like? Yeah, no, I'm, getting, that, that, I'm getting over that now that I'm fucking forty two. It took long enough, but <laughs> you know now I'm like more comfortable with like I like the way Hokusai painted this water. Look, 
don't don't start talking about Hokusai now. I'm going to try and paint this water. Yeah, I may, I'm going to do a, probably a bad job, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, I'll say this as an aside, as I was telling you uh, before we got started, um, you know, recently birthday or what have you, I got the uh, Hokusai Doc Martin. So it's just a great wave over the entire Doc. And I'm an Aquarius, <laughs> so it's just like water, waves, and the full circleness, right? I'm reading yeah. a book called Gambate which is talking about this sort of perseverance thing. And it shows that in like chapter three, it shows those rowers that are facing that great wave. And it's this idea of like, not necessarily good luck per se, but it's like, you're going to do your best. And regardless of what happens, you're going to do your best. And just the timing of it. And it all connects to this like artist that I like dig his work and I follow his work and it's very distinct. So when you said woodblock earlier, I was like, all right, it was like me and this guy. I was like, keep going, bro. I got I got two more real questions and then I got some rapid fire questions. Only like three of those. So talk about, if you will, like embracing your your strangeness, right? Um, like those unique traits that make you like good at what you do, that make you want to like chase the dragon, as it were. Um yeah. and 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 I say that because like people who listen to this, they can probably dissect like, okay, Rob likes wrestling. Rob talks to these people and I'll it's just in naturally in conversation, you know, that just pops up. I'll use the parlance from something really goofy. And then yeah. people think, nah, you're you you like New Japan for wrestling or whatever the thing is. So what about your like unique qualities like kind of finds its way into your work? Like what is it like some of these like sort of quirky traits that you might have as an individual that pop up in your work? Um I have so I probably have OCPD, which is a personality disorder. It's not a behavioral. It's not OCD. Okay. It's OCPD. So basically, it's a super high-functioning, very obsessed with rules and, like, mm. morals. So it's less about kind of repetitive tasks that get in the way, like OCD is, yeah. but more about I feel so strongly about doing this at the same time every day that if I don't do it, I feel like I'm fucking up. <sighs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, that like, I have a very, I have a very strict schedule for somebody that's self-employed. It's nowhere close to anybody else's schedule. Yeah. Um, that really, it, I go to the gym every day. If I don't go to the gym, I cannot, like, my mental state just takes a, takes a shit right away. So, and I eat breakfast at five in the afternoon. So like, you know, the, those things really bleed into the work and, and, uh, I have a lot of, um, rules lately about like what I'm painting and how long it takes to paint the thing and how many consecutive days I need to do in order to get in this one, you know, if I'm doing a final pass on a face, say, I know that right now it's taking me three days to do the face. And if I can do the longest sittings possible yeah. and have the least amount of drying time between those three sittings, it's going to come out better. Mm. Now, whether that's really true, <laughs> if it's going to come out better, or if I find some kind of like pleasure in the, in that three days slog, yeah. or if it's just easy, easier for me to execute that three day slog, I'm not really sure. It's probably a combination of all those things. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, it's a, it comes across in the work, I think, because the, because I'm 
I'm getting better as a painter all the time, mm-hmm. which I, which I like, I really like to see for myself. Like I don't necessarily know that people can see that, that, um, improvement, but I can see the improvement. Yeah. Um, but I'm super hard on myself about that process. So like, I know that I have this, I have to do this face on this painting I'm working on and I'm like nervous about it. And I've done this like hundreds of times, you know, and I'm still nervous about starting that process and finding the three days where I can like not be interrupted and I don't have to go do this, this other stuff. And it might, and then I'm stressed out because I know the paint is drying, you know, and the, and it's going to be harder to get back into it and all this stuff. Yeah, it's like you have this jerk East Coast podcaster. It's like interrupting you from your drying and your painting time. What's going yeah, on? But like this, I plan for this. It's like in the right spot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like that that stuff I think comes through. No, that I, I and I, and I'm using it colloquially. Like when when people ask how many, like for instance, I did 300 episodes last year. I put out 300 podcasts, and yeah. this is the secondary thing. Like I have a day job, right? And right. And I joke with people and I, and, I'm, and it's not to diminish anyone's like, you know, challenges in that sort of respect. I have my own challenges as well. But when people are like, how do you get so much done? It's like, because I'm a pr- crazy person. I'm just obsessed with my thing and I'm going to keep doing it. And I was like, that's just what it is. And I was like, and kind of running into sort of this, this regimented approach. I was like, I need to do things in this sort of way. That's the only way that it works. And, it, mm-hmm. and if I, if it gets thrown off, it bugs me less. But it's like I can't have too many of those. So there are instances where I put in some research, you know, I put in time to, you know, at least have thoughtful questions and not waste the guest time. And, you know, I try to, you know, whatever the guest doesn't need to be a part of, you don't need to sit here and hear me do my intro and outro. That's, you know, we're we're having a conversation. That's the important part, I suppose. So, you know, I can like modify that that process, make that a post-production process and make it easier, make the conversation flow a little bit better and a little differently. And that's just, that's just what that is, is constantly tweaking, but also finding ways to kind of keep the conversation working in a way that it is mindful of the artist and their time. And it kind of lets me get the thing that I need you know, as far as like putting out this, this sort of schedule. And, you know, as I said beforehand, when you start uh, bringing it up to that sort of next level, you're like, all right, really have to structure this now in a way and put these episodes out at a time. And it takes away from how I want to go about it sometimes versus, you know, having um, an external sort of um, person to deal with. I I have a, you kind of sound like you're the same in that, it's very easy for me to do something for fun and turn it into work in mm-hmm. like two seconds. Like, and whether I still enjoy it or not is kind of a moot point. It doesn't matter. Like I, I'm now, you know, the painting was a, a hobby, quote unquote, and now it's a job. And I don't know if I feel any differently about actually painting. There's a whole bunch of baggage associated with doing it for a living, of course, but like, you know, the, I'm not good at fun. <laughs> like in general, I'm not good at fun. And like, I, you know, that's a bummer, but like, that's just my, that's just my personality. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So in these final moments, actually, I, the second question you, you answered in your response. So we, we got both. So uh, in these final moments here, I got three quick rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap up with shameless plugs. Okay. Uh, so I got to ask, since you're a painter, what are your yeah. uh, favorite uh, 
favorite colors to work with favorite color combinations like what pops for you um i really lately i really like having a cool white source or yeah a cool light source and a warm white light source so like a standing in front of a window with a with a hot light yeah. on one side or vice versa like some natural light some artificial light having that does all kinds of cool stuff to shadows warm shadows cool shadows neat um neat colors like some bouncing off of clothes and that's kind of what i have been into for a while especially with just painting fabric like i like all the, um the colors i don't know that i have a color that i'm like really pumped on generally right now i'm having a moment where i'm really obsessed with white yeah. and the various whites for oil painters like yeah. there's oil painters really get in the weeds about this stuff but there's, there's various types of white because it's, Euro because it's european no. <laughs> yeah well i mean there's, you know oil painting hasn't really changed all that much in like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. and so there's all these recipes for how to make paint and that the different kinds of paint change various things how they dry how they handle yeah. if they're cooler or warmer so i've lately been having kind of a moment learning the difference between uh titanium whites and lead whites so got it yeah. whites literally with lead in them so they're super toxic but uh, <laughs> they do a lot of neat stuff and i'm kind of just learning that that part I think there's an opportunity for me to insult someone via paint. Like you're a toxic white. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, little, yeah. little art humor for you. No. <laughs> um, thank you for that one. Uh, let's see. Um, would you rather have the ability to fly or be invisible? Uh, fly. Now, now, based on what you said earlier, this is, this is, this might be self-serving, but I'll still ask it. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you had one meal to eat for the rest of the, for um, one meal to eat every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, it would be either, it would probably be peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, crunchy or creamy? Crunchy always. Creamy okay. Okay. Yeah. We're good. We're good. I, for a second, <laughs> I was going to say I'm deleting the whole episode. This is done. We got nothing. Uh, creamy peanut butter is, I don't understand it. <laughs> So, so, so that's it. Actually, um, I want to thank you for for coming onto this podcast and and chatting with me. And um, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners where they can check out your work, your website, social media. The floor is yours. Okay, thank you for having me. First, it was fun. Um, my website is just AaronNagel.com. Uh, Nagel like bagel, and my Instagram is also AaronNagel. And that's that's kind of it. Like I'm, I have I have a Patreon right now. If you're a painter, and like really want to get in the weeds about process, yeah. um, Patreon is very small. I may or may not keep doing it, but I'm I'm really enjoying writing about my process and showing work that I I'm not supposed to otherwise show to like people for some reason because yeah. it's happened. You know, the show hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, and that's it. Those are my those are my things. I'm I'm not I don't post on Instagram a ton lately, but things are there and I'm trying to get better at it, fighting the algorithm. Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank uh, Aaron Nagel for coming on and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art. Uh, people who are doing people who are following the why in and around your neighborhood, you just got to look for them. Yeah.